0: Welcome to Eclipsed, a Heroes podcast, where two old-school Heroes fangirls rewatch the show and defend its honor. My name is Keisha. And I'm Rachel. This week, we are discussing episode 21 of season one, The Hard Part. And now the hard part. <laughs> and now the hard part. We're almost done with season one. I can't believe we're almost done with season one. It feels like we just started it. Yes. And it's not a short season either, so that's kind of an accomplishment. Yeah. But... Before we get into talking about the episode, we've got news. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some new news, which, you know, is a a delightfully rare thing. But we've we've got, like, some cool little bits today. Uh, The first thing came to my lovely co-host's attention via Twitter when uh, Wendy Lynn Makeup, who was the makeup artist, lead makeup artist on Heroes... Retweeted a interview that Zachary Quinto did with Jimmy Fallon. In it, Fallon asks him about heroes and how about how it's about to be available on the new NBC Universal streaming service. Yes, my God, there's another streaming service coming out. I bet you're all very excited. And totally <laughs> going to get it. Um, called Peacock, but it's going to be where Heroes is streaming now. So he actually asked him about it, which you know it's it's an elusive thing to have him talk about the show so it was actually kind of neat to hear his thoughts about it and about its legacy and uh yeah it's it's like a it's like a minute and a half is the part of the clip where he talks about it but it seems like he's he's gotten to a pretty chill place with it i think most have what choice do you have at this point? yeah (laughs) like yeah i i think it's funny that he's seems still kind of surprised that his character of all things like connected with people so much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's like dude i don't i hate when he called it like an archetypal villain i was like dude that's not what you were playing like you brought a lot more to it anyway than than that i would argue like you know him on like american horror story that's an archetypal villain yes so goddamn cut and dry that is but i don't know I, i think that what he got to do on the show was a lot more than that so, but I'm biased. I'm one of those people he talked about who still like, <laughs> connects with that character and, you know, still likes the show. So
1: if you're interested in seeing that clip, it's uh, retweeted on the A close podcast, Twitter.
0: And I imagine we'll probably link it on the show notes.
1: Yes, I could. Of course. I usually do. <laughs> Why not? Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah. But that's not the only little bit. Uh, there was something that we actually just learned today that we felt it was interesting to mention. Rachel, Why don't you tell us about a little tidbit we learned about over in our Eclipsed Discord server.
1: Yeah, so on the Discord server, uh, the charming rib source told us that uh, Ashley Crow and Matt Armstrong's son has been drafted into um, the New York Mets for the 2020 season. And this was a surprise because I believe we talked about in Company minute that they were married. But information about... (laughs) Their marriage was, like, nowhere. There was nothing about them having any kids. Nothing.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then when I looked again today, now, after seeing that, sure enough, on the wiki pages, they've all been updated about their son, who is Pete Crow Armstrong.
0: I'm sorry, their son's name is Pete. Pete,
1: yes. (laughs) (laughs) He's older than heroes, though, dude. Come on.
0: I know, but it's still funny. It's it's funny.
1: So... (laughs) Then I went and saw an article where they had interviewed both of them about their son. And we actually got, like, some information about what they're doing now. Because they're both out of acting, pretty much. Matt actually teaches English now. And she is a private acting coach. So that's what they're up to now. That's wild. Yeah. Because it was, like, just, like, a couple weeks ago when we did Company Man. I was looking that up to, like, double check my information. And, yeah, there was no information about when they were married and all this other stuff. And so I was like, well, I know they're married, but I can't find anything else about it.
0: Yeah, because I remember when we looked it up, it was like, are they still married? And it was difficult to find that information right away. So
1: Yeah, both of those new news were from today, right before we started to record.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> she sent me that link to the ZQ thing at work, and obviously I pff, I was useless from that point on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: let's get into the episode which we joked about last week that we couldn't remember anything that was in it minus the siler stuff and it kind of makes sense now why because siler is such a big part of the episode and everything else is just moving people into place
0: it's kind of like his it's kind of his company man it
1: almost it basically is basically yeah
0: it's the the most he'll ever get yeah yeah he's such a huge part of it all the other bits are kind of small in comparison which is wild if you think about it, he's still just a guest star at this point,
1: well, I mean going into like this is spoiler, but not because the original idea was like you know a lot of these characters were going to die at the end of season one I know, and there was probably a very real chance he would have been one of them, so this was like our one shot to get and to like rectify that backstory
0: I had to like rectify the backstory and then also truly make another obstacle for hero to deal with in terms of his like hero journey yes. So. Hero's Hero Journey. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: Which, why don't you get into, Keisha? Because we're going to start off with Hero and Siler and all that good stuff this episode.
0: Oh, we sure are. It's uh, it's the biggest chunk. It is so huge on my notes right now. Okay. So, if you recall, and how could you forget? Because it was awesome. The last episode that we did was our splendiferous dark future five years gone and hero and ando returned once more to the present day at the end of that episode after seeing all that they've seen hero is super stoked to get a chance to change this future he's gonna he's gonna figure it out he's gonna protect everybody prevent all of this bad from happening the same basic journey he's been on, but now he's seen the consequences if he fucks up. Which, really, I mean, the whole thing is so interconnected by the end. I mean, he's just one of many moving parts. So it's not just all on his shoulders. But it feels like it is. So, <laughs> he's like, alright, so we got this comic book that we got from the future. And it's got all this missing dialogue in it. You know who we should ask? We should totally go ask Mr. Mister Isaac, Mr. Isaac <laughs> about what these characters should be saying and get a little more context to fill out here. Let's stroll on down to the loft and go see our good friend. Oh, hero. <laughs> <laughs> you, you poor dude. Um, so he's set off to do that. Meanwhile, the current occupant of said loft, uh, Siler's there and he's playing with his new power. Cause that's what he does. Cause he's a child. <laughs> And he is, and he's painting himself, and he's come to this realization that really shakes him up. He does a painting of a guy he's never painted before, and it turns out to be Ted. And he puts it together in his head that what is going to happen is he's going to meet Ted. He's going to take his power, and he's going to explode, and all these people are going to die. And holy shit, that's the explosion and everything that's just surrounding you know, all the paintings, and it's on the floor. You know, it's, it's everywhere. It's everywhere in the loft. It's hard to escape that. And so he freaks out, and I think it's kind of cool to see that, and it's it's such a great sort of preview of what's to come this episode because it's like, oh, we're really going to get really deep into his character this episode and not just the villain stuff with a capital V because it kind of it starts to rub up against his... He doesn't really have a code like a Dexter Morgan, per se, but he seems to have something. Mm -hmm. He's not just all about wanton destruction and annihilation, and so that's a different, you know, that's an important difference to make, or difference to realize with his character. And so he's freaking out, and he needs to reach out to somebody. And who does he reach out to? (laughs) Who does he call but Mohinder? you know, the guy he tried to kill a little while ago. <laughs> I just... I love his lack of self-awareness. <laughs> he's just like, well, you know, you're still alive, it's fine, I need to talk to you. <laughs> like, I need to, <laughs> need to get something off my chest here, bud. Um, so he calls him, and Mohinder answers the phone, and Siler's freaking out, he's like, I think I'm gonna do something bad. And Mahender's like, you think you're going to do something bad now, huh? Like, you've been doing something (laughs) bad. What's the point of this? He says, you're a murderer. You don't get the luxury of regret. And I was like, oh, burn. And so Siler's going on and on. And he's talking about how before his killing had an important purpose. And he was there to take what others didn't deserve. And he was just an acting natural selection. That's all he's doing. It's just nature, man. Nature's brutal. And so is he. And he talks about how, you know, they, as in the people he would be killing, mean nothing. They're innocent. There's no gain. What possible reason could he have for killing so many people? It just doesn't make sense. He just needs Mohinder to make this make sense to him. And Mohinder's not interested in being his therapist at all. <laughs> and he is—he's holding his landline while calling another, um, calling the cops on another phone. And he's like, "Look, if you're really concerned, turn yourself in." Like, that's all there is to it. Don't go so calling me. Just stop. I don't understand why it's such a thing for you. So he tries to dial the cops, and Siler's immediately pissed about this. He's like, oh, I can hear you dialing that when I'm on the other line. It was a mistake to call, and he hangs up on him. And they have this really great, like, tight close-up shot where he's just, he's freaking out, and we've never really seen this before. Um, we've never seen him sort of full of so much doubt and questioning so much when that's totally going to be a thing that we're going to see an absolute shit ton of later on Mm -hmm. but for right now it's a new look for him so it's interesting and so when you know it cuts back to him he's back on the phone and he's called a mystery person and we're like "Ooh, who's silo reaching out to And all we hear is just, you know, the one side of the dialogue. And he's like, you know, it's been a while. I've been thinking about, you know, my future. I know it's last minute, but can I come talk to you? Can I come over? And, okay, I need to say this part right now. So they really ramped up a lot of the video promotion when this uh, show was nearing the finale of season one because it was a big fucking promotional thing for NBC. They had a lot of preview clips that... I remember Cass took some with them to, like, talk shows. I know that they had... Do you remember when they used to regularly post the EPK stuff? Yes. This was in one of those packets. Like, this was in one of those collections. Mm -hmm. Was a bunch of stuff from this episode. So I remember these preview scenes came out, and all of us little burgeoning Styler fans were like, Who's he talking to on the phone? Is it a friend? Is it a girlfriend? You know, and... uh, I just remember there was all that speculation for, you know, a couple days just being like, who's he reaching out to? Who the hell is he talking to? And oh gosh. So this is happening and Siler goes to get ready to go wherever he's gonna go. And while this is happening, Hero and Ando are strolling up to Isaac's loft to ask about the comic book. And they're talking about sort of the the whole thing that's emerged, particularly from these pages. And from the dark future, hero's gonna have to kill Siler. That seems to be one of the only ways to stop a lot of this from happening. And he's gonna have to act fast because time's running out. So he talks about you know hero's journey and how it takes him down many dark paths before returning to the light. And he's gonna do that. You know he's gonna he's gonna figure out what he's gonna do. But it he, he just he's not ready to just charge in and just straight murder a guy, even if that guy is Siler. So they are entering the loft, which you know it's not locked. I don't even know why I'm mentioning it anymore, but I am. I've become weirdly obsessed with the fact that no door on this show is locked. Like obsessed. <laughs> it's a problem. It's in every like note I make. It's like, and that door is unlocked.
1: But um, so but not every yes. door yes. is unlocked. There is one no, character not. who consistently locks his door. <laughs> Yes,
0: it's the only smart thing he ever does.
1: It's Mohinder Suresh. He always locks his door. Mohinder Suresh.
0: He locks his fucking door. Yeah. And he should get credit for that. Yes, Because none of these other fuckos do. No. (laughs) So, um, it's a thing. They just stroll right in all over the place. I know it's probably just an easier thing in terms of, like, the TV production side. Of course. But, dear God, it's it's become an obsession of mine. Anyways... So, they're walking into the loft, and meanwhile, Siler's in the bathroom, and he's getting ready. And, okay, I love watching him, quote-unquote, de-Siler himself back into good old Gabriel Grey, um, which involves him shaving and combing his hair after a shower, uh, which, he uses a straight edge, extra, and he, uh, you know, just combing his hair back to the side. He's very, like, how we first saw the character here in uh, Six Months Ago and uh other than just the the fun of like ooh we're we're deconstructing the you know the 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 character and we're we're putting these these different uh i guess like the iconography of Gabriel Gray back onto him it's also just fan service mm-hmm. it's just fucking fan service those gifts were everywhere people were obsessed with that and i say people as though i wasn't one of them <laughs> anyway um those people um don't look at my you know folders anyways um So, he's turning himself back into Gabriel Grey. And, uh, yeah, Hero and I are walking into the loft while this is happening, and they happen upon Isaac's corpse, which Siler couldn't be arsed to move at all. No. Because, fuck it, right? It's like, he's like, you know, well, I'm not having any company, I don't need to clean up, so just leave this dead body there. Like, oh my god. It's so... You're such a silly young man. Anyways, so... Hiro and Ando are like, oh shit! And they realize they're not alone, that the killer's still there, uh, when we hear Siler emerging from the restroom. And Hiro and Ando immediately hide behind the painting, which is a good instinct, normally, except for, you know, Siler's got super hearing, and we will rectify what that means in a minute. But! <laughs> <laughs> when he comes out she's laughing because I've been pissed about this since last (laughs) night and arguably since 2007 when he comes out of the bathroom of this place he doesn't live he's got his full Gabriel Grey duds on again and I don't just mean he's got his very like conservative clothes on again which could be easily replicated he has things that are his like the glasses and the jacket and I demand to know how the hell he has those Because he is a murder hobo, okay? He doesn't carry stuff around with him as he's going through the country doing things. And his apartment was cleaned out by the company. It's not like he could have just went back home when he was back in New York and when the Mohinder thing fell apart. So I demand to know where he got those clothes from. And you think you have an answer, and I want to hear it. I've been dying to hear it since last night. (laughs)
1: All right, so because he very much has like his own his Siler costume, as we've seen him when he's on the hunt in the first episodes, he has to have at the very least a storage unit or locker somewhere where he keeps a change of clothes. And because he brings someone a gift from a journey, he clearly uh-huh. has accessed the storage unit or locker, yeah, to retrieve the gift, and that is where some of his clothes are. <laughs>
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm mad about the snow globe, too, so... It, <laughs> it's not just the clothes. Uh, he so. stops there
1: like, you know, uh... Yep. Which snow globe was it?
0: <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, okay. That's fine. I accept that. No, I'm like, I no which snow globe was that.
1: it, though, that he brought her?
0: Oregon. No, she's, so she's missing Oregon. She, she needs Oregon. She, uh, she got Texas. Texas,
1: okay. <laughs> yeah. So... <laughs> He stopped and got his mama's snow globe um after fleeing <laughs> Mr. Bennett because he didn't have time how you know <laughs> he he when? just did. he grabbed one like you know you stop at a whatever you <sighs> yank a, a snow globe and then it's set aside and he puts it when he headed back to New York or wherever he was heading to stored it away uh-huh. in this locker where he's got like no doubt many of his Gabriel Gray things he even well he He says later in the episode, like, I'll just go back to being a watchmaker. His watch shop is still there. It could have easily just left his stuff there as well.
0: Okay. Has he tried to go into the watch shop, though? Because that might be fucked as well.
1: Uh, If the way he's talking about it, and if that is where his clothing was, (laughs) then of course he's been there.
0: Okay. I will grant you. (laughs) I'm feeling generous and a lot less mad about it than I was last night. I will grant you the possibility that he has clothes at the watch shop. Yeah. And that it, he would possibly go check on it. It also strikes me
1: as like, I mean, you know, he's a killer. He's a murderer, Keisha. And he's got his Siler, War as we're seeing right here, he's going back into Gabriel. Yes. And when he's finished murdering, he's got to go talk to um Mohameda's father even back then. So, of course, he's mm-hmm. got to have a change of clothes to go back, you know, over there.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: And it's not going to be like he's going to go can't... all the way back to his apartment. It's going to be a specific place where he can go unnoticed and unfollowed.
0: Okay. But if his apartment is has been, you know, completely emptied by the company, how the hell is Gray and Sons not also, like, boarded up and emptied by the company?
1: Uh, Because there was no need. Uh, there was nothing there, unlike the loft that had all the the, the Siler sin room. or It's just a watch shop. No one's going to give a shit about a watch shop
0: oh i guess so
1: whereas they're very specifically right. trying to keep mo Henders freaking nose out of it
0: yes yes okay okay i will grant you and and you know what a large part of this is because ryan made the same argument so i've already heard this argument. <laughs> he thinks he has he thinks he has a, a locker and uh yeah all right yep at the very that's least that's fine
1: <laughs> at the very least because there's so many bus stations and stuff and he's got to travel around. Yeah. He's got like a locker in yeah. somewhere that he can just read Gabriel Graham. And he went and picked <laughs> it up. Cause there's no way he wasn't just in the loft the whole time. He came and left. We just didn't see it.
0: Yeah. Cause I remember back then, this was an argument that happened back with with uh, people back when it aired too. I believe that the concept of him potentially going to like a thrift store was brought up, but I was like, but that's his coat. But, um, I find it, yeah. right. I find
1: it more of a stretch to say he went to a thrift store than him having something stored somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. Plus, like, okay, let's really get into it. He has a very, very specific body type. He couldn't just go find anything. Like, they had to be his clothes. Like, so I get why he would feel, because of that, the need to, to have them stowed away.
1: I just think because convenience, York is honestly. Home. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Alright. <laughs> you win this round. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> You win this round. no. Um,
1: so, and he's obviously uh, been sending his mother snow globes or bringing them to her.
0: Which is fucking hilarious.
1: So of course he's got to change of clothes somewhere.
0: It's so good. It's like, if I can compare him to Dexter again, it's like he's just sending his blood slides to people. Like, mm-hmm. he's killed someone in all those places. And <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Uh, You know he probably gets a a little sick kick out of that, too. Because of how she is. Anyway. um, Oh, I'm sure. uh, Alright, so he pops out of the restroom. He's all Gabriel Grayed up again. Glasses. So many layers. That ugly coat that I love. And he immediately thinks, okay, something's up. And it just feels wrong. And he walks forward. And he can hear uh, Ando gulp. Which is great because they do like a really great exaggerated like, go, you know. And uh, he also hears heartbeats. And so he at one point is standing right in front of the painting that they're hiding behind. And it's this great little tense moment where he's just like, whoever you are, come on out. And he waits and you can hear the heartbeats like really going. And then he flicks the painting and then they're gone. And he's like, well, great. I'm going crazy. er." And so he gets ready to leave. And it's, uh, it's great because we see him walking down the street and he's got the box with the gift in it, which we've already spoiled as a snow globe. And <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's, it's fine. It's not like, you know, it's whatever. Um, and so he's walking uh, down the street and we see uh, Hiro had teleported he and Ando to a bodega. And it's like right outside the loft. It's like on the corner. And so they see him walk past. And he glances back behind him, but they do like the whole, you know, they do the old like lean back in and he doesn't see anyone. He's just like, oh, he's probably just tense because he found out he was going to destroy half of New York. And then also he has to go see his mom. So he's really going through it. He walks off to go do that. Ando immediately is like, let's follow it. (laughs) Because, you know, Ando's got the good ideas. Um, And Hero's much less sure about it because he killed Isaac. And he's dangerous. And he just doesn't really know if he wants to be put in this situation. Um, But, you know, obviously they decide to do that. So they end up following him. And they're spying on him in an apartment from an alley. And we see Siler showing up at someone's apartment. And he's super nervous. Like, we again, we haven't seen this from him yet. And he knocks on the door, and somebody answers, and, you know, we just spoiled it, too. It's his mom. He's visiting his mother. Uh, this is this is Virginia Gray, everyone, played by Ellen Green, best known for her roles in the amazing, amazing Pushing Daisies, mm-hmm. as well as Little Shop of Horrors. Yep. So.
1: Pushing Daisies was after yeah. this, but
0: yes. Yes, but now people would know her from that, so yes but then it was mostly just because you know star of stage and screen so this is virginia gray this is siler's bomb this is an interesting path to go down that uh we're, we're gonna we're gonna get to see where he came from and how it messed him the fuck up um, <laughs> he never had a chance uh all right so he goes inside. I always loved the... the my, one of my favorite things about the set dressing of her apartment is it looks like a tiny, crappy, like, big city apartment. It actually looks really small. And, you know, it's like the thing where, like, you see an apartment on TV in, like, a major city, and you're like, there's no way that person could afford that. <laughs> and this, to me, seems real. Yeah, It's like, okay, yeah, this is, like, a really cramped full space, and it's just covered in knickknacks, and as we have mentioned before, snow globes, because... Virginia collects snow globes and so he presents her with a gift and it's a snow globe it's one from Texas and if you look at the camera panning over them at some point in the scene uh it's just yeah it's all places that he's killed people <laughs> <laughs> it's just all different snow globes from where he did our murder yeah he's been sending her all these snow globes and she's only missing Oregon And she has this really great line, which is totally a callback to her um, little shop of horrors role. So it's a fun little, like, wink to people, you know, because she played Audrey. And when he's there, he notices that one of the clocks is broken. And she's just like, oh, that old hunk of junk, like, who cares? And he's immediately just like, okay, it was Dad's, and I care. And he picks it up off the wall, and he goes about trying to fix it. And you can just... Feel the tension as soon as the dad is mentioned. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, oh, it just, it fills in the whole family dynamic so damn well, this this whole entire episode. And he picks up the clock, and he's like, it's a beautiful piece, it just needs a little attention. My heart, Rachel! <laughs> My fucking heart! He's not talking about the clock! Um, <laughs> Oh, it's not subtle. So... He's sitting there, and he's got his little kid out, and he's trying to fix it. And he's like, you know, I'm tired of traveling. I might just stay here for a little while. And if I stay, maybe I could stop. And obviously Virginia's, like, half listening to him. And she's like, stay in Queens? Like, she's just like, why? You're doing all this, you know, cool stuff. You're traveling the world. You're living a great life, obviously. Why the hell would you want to come back here? And she's very, like, she's very, like, fussy over him. And just the way that she talks and everything, like, oh, God. Their whole dynamic just makes me, like, uh, Like, it's just, like, oh, you poor bastard. Like, she's just a lot. And so she's like, well, if you're going to stay, you should call that man whose Rolex you fixed that one time because he works at an investment banking firm. And obviously you know, if he just calls completely out of the blue and mentions that, then he can get into a very competitive job field. And so I, I put in my notes, he very correctly tells her that guy wouldn't even remember him. Um and I said, She really seems like the kind of mom that has said the words pound the pavement many times to her son. Um <laughs> the kind of vibe she, she has. Um and she's just like so delusional about it. She's just like, what? Like, you know, of course he would remember you. You're special and you're great. And who wouldn't remember you? And investment banking is a very lucrative field. You should get into it and stop, you know, fucking with this watch stuff. And you can tell he's just really pushing up against all these expectations. Just like, maybe I don't have to be special. You know, maybe it's okay to just be normal. And he's like, can't you just tell me it's okay to just be a normal watchmaker? Can you just tell me it's enough? And she goes to him and she lays her hands on him and she's just like, why would I ever do that when you could be so much more? If you wanted, you could even be president. Just one of those moms. Oh, my God. The mommy issues here are so (laughs) thick, thick, thick. And uh, there's one point where it's really great where she's like, here, are you hungry? I'll make a tuna sandwich. And he's like, I'm not hungry. And he's trying to fix the clock. And she's doing it anyway. You know, so not listening to him. And he calls her out on it. And she starts getting all, like, tears in her eyes, upset. Like, real emotional manipulation shit and uh it's great because when we come back from the ad break he is absolutely eating that tuna sandwich he did not want um just to calm her down (laughs) and it's like oh my lord your whole life has been this and he's like what if i told you that i really could be special but to do it i'd have to hurt a lot of people should i and she's just like you you couldn't hurt anyone i was like oh lord it's like it's like some some really great like psycho type stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, he wouldn't even hurt a fly, you know, kind of thing. He's like, Well, there's a lot of things that I can do that you don't even know about. And he decides to show her one of his abilities. And just imagine Hero and Andrew watching all this, by the way. They must feel super uncomfortable. <laughs> like this little this little fucking Tennessee Williams play happening right here. And So he takes the hose from the sink and he sprays it and he uses his cryokinesis to turn the water into ice flakes and he turns her apartment into a snow globe basically and at first it's really delightful and she's filled with joy and awe and wonder and Hiro is smiling as he watches the scene unfold in the alley but Siler can't just do something simple because he has incredible destructive tendencies. And an absolute shit ton of resentment toward her. So it's a toxic stew, really. And I kind of have to wonder if this was anyone else that he was, you know, showing this power to in this way. If it would have ended differently. But there's only one way this is going to end. So he's going about doing this. And as we look at his face, it's starting to change. Starting to get that old Siler dark look in his eyes. And the music is starting to change too. The music in this episode is great. I absolutely love the scoring that's done in the scenes with Siler and Virginia. Mm-hmm. It's like a really cool extension of the Siler theme. And he starts not just making snow, he also starts TKing, telekinetically moving the other snow globes around off of the shelf. And they are moving around and around her and they are swooping and they are getting real close and the snow is getting more intense too and he's practically trapped her in like a mini blizzard and then one of the globes accidentally hits her in the head and she's bleeding and he stops and he's able to pull himself back out of it and it's funny because I think like almost all these scenes are like before a commercial and then he's what happens when the commercial comes back in like (laughs) the way that they did the ad breaks because when we come back again He's in tears. Gabriel is in tears, apologizing to his mom. She's locked herself in her bedroom to get away from him. And Hero feels really bad for the, how this is all unfolding. And Ando's a stone-cold killer. And he's like, Hero, <laughs> you should kill him now. He's super distracted and sad. And so... Oh, man. Which I've always loved. And Hiro's like, I can't kill a man who's asking for forgiveness. Do you think he would have felt the same way if he would have saw the, <laughs> the room of sin? Does that count too? <laughs> I don't think so. He says, everyone deserves a second chance. I'm not future hero. I don't want to be him. He killed so much that he forgot it should be hard. And so Gabriel's still so upset and he's talking to his mom from the other side of the door. And he says, I saw a vision of the future and I'm going to kill a lot of people. Tell me why I would do that. And his, Voice is breaking and he's still all teary, and he's just like really struggling with this. And there's this moment, and I always was curious if it was in the script or if Quinto chose to do it. Where when he's trying to get her to come back out, he's so frustrated that she won't listen to him, won't help him, won't hear him, that he starts banging his head against the door because he's like sitting on the floor against the door. And it just kills me every single time. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, the issues here are too weighty to unpack in one session. Like, it's just (laughs) just so much there. Like, there's a moment where he tries to comfort her um, when they're starting to kind of bicker at each other. And she flinches like she's been abused. And you have to wonder what the dad was like at this point. And it just, oh, there's just so much there. There's so much there. And she finally comes out. And when she does, Ando reveals to Hiro out in the alleyway. Did you ever wonder why there's no future Ando? That's because Siler kills him. Like, he kills me. And he shows him. He's, like, super all, like, twisted up and dead. Like, kind of Peter, but he's not going to heal from it. Kind of human pretzel. And that really sort of forces Hiro's hand a little bit more. But he's not quite, you know, storming in just yet. Virginia comes out. She says she's leaving. And when she gets back, she expects him to be gone. And he's just so struck by this. Like, Mom, what are you saying? And she's, and he's like, it's, it's, you know, it's, why? You know, I need your help. And she's like, you're not Gabriel. You're not my son. You're damned. And I want you out of my house. Oh, you're damned. He's just looking for someone to tell him he doesn't have to be, and for have his, to have his mom, like, just be like, nope, there's no saving you, is such a big thing in season one for him to just be like, well, I guess so, later on, because they get in a fight, because she flips out. She's like, I want my son, what'd you do with my son? He goes, I am your son. She goes over to her laundry basket. She has a very sharp pair of sewing scissors. And they struggle because he's trying to get them away from her. And they fight, and they're yelling, and she's crying. And the way they shoot it, it kind of looks like she got him. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny. It was like, wow, after all this, his mom's going to kill him, huh? (laughs) Like, (laughs) oops. (laughs) But no, he accidentally, question mark? I've always questioned the accident of it. Uh... They, they get too close, and he was able to push the scissors away, and in doing so, they get shoved into her chest. And she's, she's, she's super dead. And her body is falling, and as her body falls, Hero freezes the scene right as her body starts to drop. And he walks into the apartment. And he takes out his sword. And he aims it at Siler's open neck. And he, he apologizes for it. Like, he's sorry, but, you know, this this is just how it has to happen. And so he even, he even bows to him, which is great. It's such a respect thing, you know? Mm-hmm. He's just like, hey, this is how it has to go down. And so he goes to slice off Siler's head. Hey, he did it, right? He's going to kill the bad guy. Everything's going to be great. But nope. Syler's super OP, okay? Super OP. <laughs> like he's really overpowered. Nothing matters to him that should stop him. Also, yes, Hero is nervous and his concentration's not as great as it could be. So when he tries to slice him, Siler's eye moves first, and then he's able to stop Hero. He grabs the blade and he starts freezing it with an icy hand. And he's like, you're the one who's been following me all day. You know, what the hell? I don't, he doesn't even know who this person is yet. And so he confronts him and he's like, fine, you want to kill me? Then kill me. And he tells him to do it. You know, it gets all intense. And he's just sickened by the fact that he can't. He's like, you coward. He has no respect for cowards. And so he's like, "Now I'm going to have to kill you. And he's, he's uh, thwarted by one of his only kryptonites, which is just just one other person coming into a room. So he's distracted by Ando busting into the apartment, which, again, is totally, you know, just unlocked and ready. And so Siler watches as they both, like, pop out. And he's just like, what the fuck? Like, he just killed his bomb accidentally. And he just had to face off against the new, you know, opponent. There's a lot to, you know, a lot going on here. And he's just like, what the hell? But he's he's able to just focus on the fact that, hey, his mom's dead. And it's a big moment for him because you're like, oh, wow, he's going to have this really great human reaction to it. Because, obviously, this is a person who meant a lot to him, who was one of the only links to this, you know, to the Gabriel Grey, to the, to the human side of Siler. And Ando and Hiro end up back in the loft, which not the best place to be, really. You could make that argument. Um, but also... <laughs> when Syler was freezing it and when he popped out he broke the sword there's so much drama with this goddamn sword <laughs> Rachel <laughs> and there's more to come there's so much more to come and when we pop back in to Siler just at the end of the episode it looks like he is just distraught he's got his little his little what the fuck is he wearing like a sweater he has like a sweater on I think at one point and then he has like the button up underneath and he's got his sleeves pushed up, and he's scrubbing Virginia's blood off the floor. And you're just like, oh, this poor guy. But no, no, that's not what's happening. He's finger painting with her blood. And he's using the blood to paint the explosion again. And he's just like, "Welp, I guess this is my destiny. Because you're right, Mom. I'm pretty special. And I can be anything. I can even be president. And he's doing the full-on uh, future painting eyes and everything and he just looks like a goddamn demon the way they shoot him like covered in blood doing that um yeah with her body just nearby with the scissors sticking out so he had a very eventful episode um yes (laughs) did you have anything to add to the the shenanigans of Siler going home again
1: yeah I liked how this is sort of an attempt to um tie together the uh Siler I have syndrome with the Siler mm-hmm. we see as Zachary Quinto, because uh, she is very religious. Like, when he first opened oh the door, God, she's yes. like, oh, thank God my son has come back to me. And, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And the, you're damned. So, it's sort of tying that I'm, original Siler idea with the Siler we have now, in a way.
0: It really does. And if you look around her apartment, you can see, like, religious things, too. Like, she is totally religious.
1: So, it helps you, like, because up until now, Siler is very... Scientific. He's yes. very like, this is natural selection, etc. This is my um, purpose. And you see now where the whole Eye of Sin has come from, which is his mother and their whole problematic relationship that has occurred.
0: Is, is problematic even a big enough word for what the <laughs> hell goes on in this episode? Like, oh. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot.
1: Yeah. And, and the yeah. other thing is something we'll talk more later about. Because, like, listening to you talk about it again, really it struck a chord at how much of a parallel there is between this mother and son in this episode, and another mother and son that we will see later. <laughs> there, There's quite the, the parallel between these two.
0: I dare say I know who you're talking about, and it's also because there's just continually perfect weird dis- like distorted parallel between those two characters and their life paths their
1: fates are tied yep they are inevitable
0: they are they really are it's it's still kind of hard to watch i just ugh i know i have too much sympathy for him blah 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 but um yeah there's there's a lot going on there and it's all just in those little cues like her flinch when he when he you know tries to you know calm her down and just And we never get to see how Martin Gray figures into things, Um, which is a shame because that would have been cool to see, but like a flashback or something. I don't know.
1: Yeah, we get we get something later. But yeah. 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 Not this season. That's
0: that's the gray in Gray and Sons and we see him, but there's a twist there. Yes. Also, do you remember how obsessed people were with the and Sons part of it?
1: Yes and no. I don't think... I I feel like some of the obsession stuff, like I said, I am positive I did not get on the message boards until after season one. So there might have been stuff... Oh, same. Like, before season one that people obsessed over. Like, I didn't remember the whole questioning if it was a girlfriend thing because I swear I remember seeing a lot of stuff about the actress that was going to be in that episode. Mm -hmm. And so I assumed, like, oh, it's his Like, I have no recollection of ever being, like, who was on the phone call. But again, I wasn't in the, fa- the boards and stuff at the time. Again, forgot, like, pretty much everything else that happened in the episode. <laughs> uh, Other stuff happened?
0: What? I don't know this
1: it, right. it feels like fire years Gone happens, and then I remember the finale. And then, like, these these two, like, in-between episodes <laughs> mm-hmm. are, like, they mix and mesh together.
0: <laughs> uh Yeah. Um, some of the stuff that happens with Nathan and Angela, I could have swore happens next week.
1: So, yeah, they, like, melded together. So let's talk about our favorite people. Jessica, DL, and Micah, and their drama going on right now. Yay. And, um, so Jessica and DL are arguing as usual because Micah is missing, <laughs> and um, <laughs> Jessica knows where he is pretty much. She's like, a car came and picked Micah up, and she's like half brushing it off like, oh, it's fine, but you know, she's like, Linderman wanted him, and she said no, but you know, he just, he takes what he wants anyway. And DL's pissed off, and he's like, we have to go find him. And she's like, He'll, whatever, he's fine. We have to, like, just let it be. Linderman's not going to be happy if we do something. And he's like, if you're not going to go, I will. And he storms out, and she kind of stands in the room for a second. And we get to see Nikki in the mirror being like, please go with him. He's going to get killed if, if he goes alone. Mm-hmm. And actually gets through to Jessica. She goes after him. She's like, wait for me. And she goes after him. And we get to see what Micah's up to. And he he's being pretty much pampered right now. <laughs> He's in this nice room with, uh, playing video games on this big TV. And, uh, as far as he's concerned, his mother's there, but it's, it's actually Candace who is, uh, kind of giving a little bit of an update on how Micah's doing. She's like, he's fine. He's great. He's, you know, he's a good kid. And she pretends to be Nikki and goes over to him and Micah's like, you know what? I don't like Mr. Linderman. I, I want to go home. And she's like, well, you know, he helped us and now we have to help him. And he's arguing back and forth with her. And then she like kind of like drops a little bit. She's like, Micah, that's enough. And <laughs> right. Like, you know, gives him a bit of a firm hand there. And she's like, you know, I'd never let anything bad happen to you. It's okay. We're going to be fine with Mr. Linderman. And I, don't know, I Candace with Micah is kind of fun. I like them in this episode. And I think they're in the next. I as well. just
0: love Candace. You know, I just love Candace mm-hmm. and everyone. She's fun. We love Candace. I'm yeah. I, I I'm always sad that Missy Peregrine didn't get to continue on. But.
1: Yes, for various reasons, but mm. <clears throat> stuff happens. People get busy. Oh
0: yeah.
1: So we head back to Las Vegas, and uh, DL and Jessica phase through the wall of Linderman's art gallery, and uh, <laughs> Jessica's like, "Never do that again." <laughs> she hated it, but she's like, "He usually hangs out here because this is like his favorite thing. Is this room." And they're like, all right, well, let's see if we can find some info where he is or where Micah is. And they see a painting an Isaac Mendes painting of Micah looking out a window onto a burning city. Not great. Mm-mm. So she's like, it looks like New York. And then they're kind of looking around and they're seeing like a pretty much an ode to, um, DL and Nikki on this one panel that he has set up there. Like photos of them both, uh, He finds his report card there, and there's pictures of them both, like, when they're younger. And Dio's like, was any of this real? Was it all just a science experiment for Linderman? Mm -hmm. Were we his science experiment? Because, like, there's no one like us in the world, Nikki. There's no one like Micah. And as far as they're concerned, that's the truth.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so they think.
1: They don't realize there's all these other people out there.
0: They're in their own little show where they're the only people who can do stuff. Yeah, like, cause, uh,
1: yeah, Nikki doesn't know anything about, um, anyone. She knows that, uh, there was something weird with Parkman. Yeah. Cause he could, but... he could hear Nikki mm-hmm. and she doesn't know anything about Nathan and nope. DL was saved by Hero, yeah, but, uh, the only one who kind of realized something weird was happening with that was, uh, Micah. Yeah. Yeah, cause Hero's like, I'm a hero, like, you know, like, comic hero. So, only Micah kind of realizes, it's not just you guys. <laughs> So, you know, DL thinks they're one fucked up science science experiment. And they see Mm -hmm. Linderman's calendar sitting there and they realize that there's a note. On election day, it says Petrelli. So they're like, well, they've got to be in New York. So we have to head to New York. And we go back to where Mike is. And we see Nikki, air quotes, (laughs) getting ready to go take a shower. (laughs) And Mike is like, you know what, mom? I'm sorry about talking back to you. I shouldn't have talked back. And she's like, oh, that's so sweet. Okay, I'll be right back. I'm going to take a shower. And as soon as she gets in the shower, he turns the TV up and lets himself out of the locked room and starts running. Because he knows something's wrong. And then it becomes even more clear something's wrong. Because every door he runs into, he runs back into the room. And he's watching a cartoon and it keeps being, like, the same thing over and over. Which, like, I think it was like a Woody Woodpecker kind of thing.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Yep. And, uh... He comes back in and he sees, instead of Nikki coming out of the shower, it's Candace. And she's like, you know, when I can make you see whatever I want, it's kind of hard to get away, isn't it? And he's all like, well, where's my mom? And she's like, all right, kid. <laughs> You're a nice kid. <laughs> I don't want to hurt you. But if you don't listen to what Linderman says, I'm going to show you things that will mess you up for life. <laughs> so Just so
0: chill about it. Yeah,
1: just I'm just going to show you stuff that's going to mess with your head for life, you know? She doesn't threaten to hurt him. She threatens to scar him mentally, but she's not going to hurt the kid. So he's just, he's got to behave for her. And so we have to see Micah, like, reluctantly behave, and that's pretty much it for their whole sphere for this episode.
0: I hadn't, like, forgotten, per se, but, uh, yeah, damn, Linderman, way to use people as guinea pigs. (laughs) Like, it really does seem like most of their lives have been you know documented tracked and manipulated
1: i'd say it's entirely possible that they were helped into each other like their paths were helped across but oh yeah that could just been like geography wise
0: i don't know it's wild to think about and also sadly something we never really get an answer about We, we get hints
1: and it's like later seasons like what might what it might be but like yeah we don't really get yeah. an answer and even in the comics we like, don't get an answer
0: yeah like not really not to the degree which something like that demands cuz that that's really that's that's opening up a huge thing to question like you can't just drop that bomb and then walk away from it like
1: it makes you wonder if something wasn't course corrected in between season 1 and 2
0: oh probably
1: where they adjusted something that was going to happen with them. I
0: mean, it seemed like that sort of thing was happening quite a bit in the last two to three episodes of the season. Mm-hmm. So, which uh, your comment about them and about all this had reminded me. Uh, I think it was when the hard part came out. Is when the Entertainment Weekly connecting covers came out that had the clues to the <gasps> last two episodes. Yes.
1: Oh my god.
0: And I'm looking at them right now. <laughs> I don't know if I have all of them. I think I have one. Um, I still have them. I don't know where the fuck they are. I just Googled them, but I think they're at my sister's, but yeah. Um, I think I had like the Siler
1: and Linderman cover.
0: Oh, I have very clear memories of forcing my ex to drag me around places to find them
1: all. I swear I just saw it again. Cause I think I was like reorganizing. Stuff. I got rid of like a lot of like other magazines I'd had holding onto, but I didn't for heroes. Mm-hmm. So I think I still mm-hmm. have it, but yeah.
0: I'm just looking at the photos to just try to look at the little clues and remember what they were trying to trying to tease people with for each character.
1: Oh, I'll have to look at that again, because yeah, I remember that now.
0: Yeah, the one with uh, Allie and um, Leonard, she's holding a-, a missing flyer for Micah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And there's exploding glass around her, and Nikki's all like, oh, sad in the glass, like always. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, that was the one I got in the mail. That was the one I got in my subscription, and I was like, boo! <laughs> I went and got the
1: others. Because, yeah, I think I had one that came in the mail as well. And that was the, I think, Siler and Linderman
0: one. I think you got the Siler and Linderman one because I was so pissed that you did. (laughs) Yeah. And then can we just with the fact that everybody was like, why is Linderman on the cover with Siler? That's weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And people were like, is that his dad? (laughs) I I actually remember that. Yeah. Where it's like, are they
1: connected?
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Where it was like they were kind of the odd men out, I guess that.
0: One hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. I'm looking at theirs too, and I'm just like, what is it? Like, poker chips from the Corinthian, flower petals. Oh, snow globe. Mm, there you go. A flying snow globe. There you go. So yeah, that that was that was a fun thing that happened in terms of their um, pre-finale promotion was around the time the hard part came out. These uh, covers were released you could collect them all and if you put them together they made a big picture yeah yep.
1: I'd forgotten until you mentioned it again
0: it was like right cause yeah I didn't really get involved in the boards until the finale had aired but this was like me tiptoeing into more and more stuff for sure because I remember all the um, just comments on, on different sites and stuff about like what could it all mean I'll have to post a picture of the magazine covers for our uh, in the show notes cause I, I posted them on tumblr like a million years ago I think
1: Hit me with the link and they'll go in the show notes
0: <laughs> Sweet stuff um, Yeah, so that just reminded me of that Because I was like, oh yeah, I remember that they had their own magazine cover um, I don't think I have too terribly much to add To their whole thing I, Yeah, I really like I like Candace with Micah It's, it's a fun duo she, Just great babysitting energy of like I don't want to hurt you, but I will scar you for life If you keep fucking with me so. <laughs> <laughs> Just Keep that in mind it was cool to see how how goddamn powerful she really is. Because we saw that Siler was using it to make him look like Nathan in the Dark Feature. Mm-hmm. But she built a whole, like, landscape for Micah. Yes. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That puts her, like, damn near god tier level. You
1: know, someone's gonna want that power and got it in that Five Years Gone one. So, <laughs> Yep.
0: But will he get it in this timeline? (laughs) Stay tuned. Hmm. No, they just have a little tiny bit in the episode, so it's like, yeah, you know.
1: So, yeah, in the meantime. It's fine. (laughs) We mentioned him a little earlier in the episode, because Siler gave him a little ring-a-ding-ding to (laughs) Mohinder, so what else is he up to in this episode?
0: Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) so, after that phone call that just, I'm sure, spurred him on like crazy- we see Mohinder Suresh standing in front of a structure that's going to become really goddamn important to this show. Uh, Welcome to Kirby Plaza, a location that will live in infamy in just two episodes' time. (laughs) But for right now, he's just straight chilling. and uh, who should roll up to him at Kirby Plaza? Hand out and excited to work with him. But Thompson, our old friend Thompson from the company... And he's just, you know, strolling up like, ah, Professor Suresh, you know, hand out. And Mohinder just has his hands in his pockets and he just looks at his hand just like, nope. And it's like so great. That classic Mohinder bitch face. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it so much. And so Thompson's like, all right. And he's like, well, have you thought about my offer? And so they start getting into it. (laughs) And what I love is that Mohinder is immediately trying to control the situation from the jump. And I think a lot of it spurs from the fact of just, he's really stinging from the zane of it all still. Mm -hmm. So he's like, all right, no, if I'm going to do this, then it's going to be my way or the highway. You guys want what I have. I have the formula to find them. And that's how it is. So you're gonna, you know, we're gonna do this on my terms. He calls them a bunch of untrustworthy gundas. I had to look up what that meant just now. <laughs> um, as far as I can tell, it's it's slang, obviously. Uh in like the Hindi English translation, it means a gangster, a hooligan, or a villain. Mm, yeah. So makes sense. Um, yeah, he's just like, Nope like, I'm not working with you, you're gonna work for me. Just trying to be full on about that. And I love how Thompson's like, oh, you're a real cute kid. Um, (laughs) Because he's just like, hey, so just to remind you, some people died because you led Siler right to them. Just, you know, you might want to remember that. And uh, I just, I love the idea of like a vigilante Mohinder. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just like he's gonna, he's gonna stop the bad guy on his own and he's gonna he's gonna do it all. And so Thompson's like, "All right, so here's what's up. We need your help. We need to fix our current tracking system, which is the Walker system. And that system, if that name sounds familiar to you and it should, is little Molly Walker. Remember the absolutely traumatized young girl from the second episode whose parents were viciously murdered in front of her by Siler. Um, he's just like, yeah, so this girl, she's sick, but if we can cure her, well then she's the only one who can stop Siler. And they used to air that on the on the promos. Do you remember that? Yes. They were like, she's got the power to stop Siler. And everyone was like, what can she do? What <laughs> incredible power does she have? No, I'm going to take this to an interesting place because I just came upon it in my own head last night and I'm very excited. I've been super stoked to do this mm, ever since last it. night. Yeah, it's like a, a version of things I've never thought about before. So he's explaining to Mohinder that she's sick. She has a virus that is destroying her nervous system. It's the Shanti virus. Ah, oh, fate and destiny. Mm-hmm. So apparently Chandra had developed a cure for Shanti Suresh. But he was too late in in his, you know, ability to implement it. And so, and the company doesn't even know what it was. So they're like, hey, Mohinder, you have access to his research. You guys, you know, have done a lot of similar work. Like, hey, how about you help us by trying to figure out what it was that your father came upon so we can cure this girl and she can stop Siler. You know, stopping Siler, your literal favorite thing in the whole fucking world. (laughs) And it's probably the only thing that's kept him from just walking right out because they immediately, uh, Thompson goes over to, you know, they go inside the building and he shows her, uh, he shows little Molly just in a room. Just, I think she's like drawing or something. She's like playing with crayons. And, so Mohinder can see her, you know, in the glass, and he's pissed that they're trying to emotionally manipulate him by showing him a cute little innocent Molly. And Thompson's like, look, you might be, you know, upset about this, and this might be not exactly what you had in mind, but Siler's going to kill a lot more people, and we need to focus on that. Like, it's, it's important. Molly's the only one who can stop Siler. So let's take a walk okay. into spoiler land. Let's take a walk into spoiler land, I see your Rachel. notes now, so
1: yes, spoiler alert.
0: Spoiler alert. Okay. So we find out what Molly can do, obviously. And what Molly can do is she can think about somebody and she can find them. Just about anybody, you know, anybody, anywhere that they are. And I remember when that was revealed, people were like, how the fuck can that stop, Siler? That can't do shit. Oh, they can find him? Lots of people can find him. They can also find themselves dead. So they, no way in hell planned for this. But they stumbled ass backwards into perfect continuity. (laughs) Because, and I say that with full love for this show, but they're they're not the five-year plan show. We've already talked about this. Yes. So, it doesn't matter about the whole, like, her ability and she, you know, needs to be able to use her ability. That's not the point. The point is that by putting Molly and Mohinder together, Mohinder starts to do his research on... Fixing the Shanti virus. He's able to find the cure for it. And by finding the cure for it, he's also showing the company that this is something you can use if you have to, because we also have an antidote of sorts. What better way to fuck over someone like Siler, who they still don't want dead for some reason, than to neuter him, to get rid of his powers, because that's what they do They save him from Kirby Plaza. The company drags his ass away. And new Candace, because a new actress plays her, is tasked with watching over him. And they gave him the Shanti virus. So in a way, yes, Molly is the only one who can stop Siler. And it has nothing to do with her ability and everything to do with the fact that she and Mohinder go on a path together in which the company is able to weaponize the Shanti virus in a way that they can control. <sighs>
1: I hadn't even thought of that before and I love it. Yeah.
0: Me fucking either, man. But it just clicked in my head last night. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. They stop him for a whole goddamn season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least killing people with powers. He kills people like a normal person, but <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. So they are able to neutralize him and also to reset him because he doesn't get all of his old powers back when he gets his powers back. Mm-hmm. It's a whole new struggle buggle. So yeah, they didn't mean to because it was just like, whoa, well, she can find him. Who cares? Anyone can find him. Big whoop. No, they stumbled into a thing that became really, really accurate and true And made what Mohinder is going to do so fucking important. And also made it absolutely inevitable for Siler and Mohinder to meet again in season two. Yep. Because he's literally the only one who can save him Mm -hmm. when he gets the virus. It's amazing. (laughs) I can't believe that. I was like, they did not intend that at all. And it works. Yeah. So, yeah. Back out of Spoilerville. (laughs) All right. Just driving away. Um, so Mohinder is introduced properly to Molly and he says that he needs to take a sample of her blood and Mohinder's like, don't worry, dude, I'm going to stop Siler. And Molly's like, Psh, you can't stop the boogeyman. He sees into your soul and then he eats your brain. She's not helping our, our argument here that he doesn't eat the brains like at all. People were just like, ah, see, he, she said He she watched him do it. She's a child. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like, her, her memories, you know, her recollection of this, it's not accurate. And she was going through a really horrible event at the time. So, yeah, we find out Molly's power is she can think about anybody. And she can find them. She can pinpoint pretty much right where they are. And Mohinder is super stoked that he can <laughs> find Siler. Because you know what he needs to do? Stop him. And so... They have a really cute rapport, though, like immediately. I love, I love the, little, the little interactions with Molly and Mohinder. And so Mohinder, later on, is trying to study Molly's sample, and he's super frustrated because he can't figure out what the antibody is that Chandra had found to deal with the virus. And along the way, Mohinder sees a photo with his parents and Shanti, and apparently it's the first time he's ever seen her. And so that's, like, a big little encouragement thing for him. And also, Molly, later on, gives him a little drawing of a star. And she says it'll protect him for the boogeyman. And it's pretty <laughs> goddamn adorable. And along the way, Mohinder realizes that it's him. The antibody for the virus in his, in his own blood. And the way he explains it to Molly is he's like, sometimes a mommy and a daddy, they have a kid. And that kid, unfortunately, gets sick. So sometimes what they can do is they can have another kid. And sometimes, if you're lucky, that child will have within, you know, their biological makeup, the antibody for a genetic, a genetically paired virus. So because they were related, he has the antibody for the Shanti virus in his own blood. And he is then able to use a sample of his blood to concoct a way to treat and heal Molly so now Molly is going to be able to use her power again real soon which is good news because we need to find Siler we need to stop him it's Mohinder's it's his whole damn mission it's his whole everything and that's pretty much where we leave off with them um, did you have anything to add to Mohinder and Molly and Thompson and all that fun? two things,
1: number one mm-hmm. every time Mohinder is mm-hmm. frustrated he has to throw something Yes! It's so great! (laughs) He has to knock things over when he's frustrated. And that cracks me up. Yep. Number two, we should have did a freaking painting the future for this episode because I want to talk about the boogeyman (laughs) a little bit. (laughs) Because right now we assume the boogeyman is Siler. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert, Molly is a child and is putting two people basically together. Yep. Uh, the boogeyman is not just Siler oh no not by a long shot nope and we will find more about that later but like yeah (laughs) how can Siler see into your soul
0: yeah I mean eat brains sure even the
1: eat the brains yep knowing who the boogeyman is it is a metaphorical brain eating
0: oh absolutely
1: and she's just assuming that the bad man who killed her parents is the same bad man that is the boogeyman
0: yeah,
1: yep. But that is its whole other thing to talk about later. And
0: <laughs> we should have done a paying the future for this fucking episode, I guess. It's fine,
1: because we had, like, we had more future stuff to talk about, I think, than we realized, but that's all right. So, I won't talk more about it, but just keep in mind that the Boogeyman is not just Siler. And when you think about what she, how she describes the Boogeyman, she's not just talking about Siler.
0: Yeah, think about the fact that we're gonna need new villains if Siler gets his powers fucked up so
1: or dies like honestly at this point in the show or dies yeah uh they probably were gonna kill him off
0: (laughs) I mean yeah I mean if you know quite honestly that was the plan Mm -hmm. stupid stupid amazing Zachary Quinto had to go and be too damn charming for that to happen
1: (laughs) pretty much pretty much
0: anyway yeah that's
1: I think that's all I had to say about Mohinder. Mr. Hissy Fit, Mr. Yeah. Siler, 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 <laughs> Siler, Siler, Siler. It's so
0: like, I'm not listening to anybody unless they tell me how they can stop Siler. You can stop Siler? Well, we're best friends. Like, it's so great. Like,
1: he is, this has been his journey for season one is to find the man that killed his father ever since episode one. And yep. it's only kicked up to town when he realized it's Siler and freaking, you know, was alongside of him. And so that is his obsession. It's fuck that guy. Fuck you know Siler. what?
0: We should have done a painting in the future. For this episode Because I'm sitting here like, and you know the funny thing is? What? Is when the, bit, the big Kirby Plaza thing happens, the one person who it makes the most sense for to have stopped him because of their journey is nowhere near the fucking action. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fucking Hero who does it because comics or whatever, but for the actual, like, narrative thread of of Mohinder and his journey and what he's working toward. He should have been the one to find a way to do it.
1: There were, there were very few people who would have been satisfying to kill Siler. Yeah. And certainly in season one, hero colliding with him is not that. No, it is heroes. That is heroes like mission to, you know, to save the world, but uh, they don't have enough uh, meetings or meaning behind murdering him. As we've seen this episode, he struggled with it. Yeah, he's like I don't want yeah, to kill Siler this is guy. Just Everyone a, byproduct. Lose a second chance. That's the way hero is.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Mohinder, like, yeah.
1: Because person number two would have been like Hrg.
0: <laughs> well, you know, they just have a great hate ship. So <laughs> how dare you
1: fuck with my daughter? Die. <laughs> no.
0: How dare you fuck with my daughter? How dare you hurt my wife? Yes. <laughs> like, you know. But number
1: one is is hundred percent Mohinder. Hundred percent.
0: Yeah, it should have been him. I mean, we can't I mean, Bennett certainly fucking tries, bless his heart, mm-hmm. but yeah. And so does Parkman, mm-hmm. which I guess also makes sense. But he,
1: he yeah, he also was drawn into the Silo web immediately.
0: But just in the grand scope of it all, it should have been Mohinder.
1: They don't have as much personal stake as Mohinder did. They yes. weren't personally but manipulated also, by him like Mohinder was.
0: Several times over, and but it can't be Mohinder because he doesn't have a power. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But Mohinder is like... Time and time again, too, Siler underestimates Mohinder. Yes. The powerless one. And, yeah.
0: I kind of wonder if so much of um, Powerless's activity is because of the things we're saying. It could be. It very well could be. Fun stuff. (laughs) Mohinder, obsessed with bringing down Siler, will do anything to make it happen, including work with the company, who we shouldn't trust. Gee, we sure have covered a lot of people in this episode, but... What's what's going on? What's going on with like the Petrellis, for example?
1: Yeah, there, there's a, there's a little chunk of people we haven't talked about yet. Anyway, let's pick up with the Petrellis. Uh We see Peter, and he's got his sketchbook, and he's sketching uh, flames. He his drawing has improved since that like first episode where he drew a stick figure floating.
0: It sure has. He and Siler are on an art journey right now.
1: <laughs> Practice makes perfect. That's what they say. So he, it's these flames you can see a a Petrelli poster, like, fluttering in the flames, and so he's seeing destruction. But while he's sketching, Heidi returns home to the Petrelli mansion, and she's got the boys in tow, and uh, Nathan goes out and greets them, and Claire gets to see the whole thing kind of watching from the stairs, and peter gets to see claire seeing like uh, yeah there's your there's your bio dad and his two other kids there's your half brothers you're never gonna meet awkward
0: (laughs) yeah 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 right
1: so claire goes upstairs and angela is working on getting claire packed to leave and paris is cold this time of year so she's got a coat for her and you know she's like you gotta stay bundled up being very grandma with her as much as angela can (laughs) be and peter interrupts them and he's like uh He wants to talk to her and she's like, Oh yeah, I'll let you say your goodbyes because yeah, as far as Angela's concerned, Claire's going to be gone. She's going to Paris. And Peter's like, Claire, you cannot leave. This was destiny. I saved you. You ended up being his, his daughter. You're here for a reason. You can't leave. And she's like, Peter, my father sacrificed himself so I could have a future, not a destiny. Mm -hmm. She just wants to be normal. And he's like, but you're here to save the world. And he tells her that, Claire, I'm going to explode. New York is going to be gone. (laughs) I'm going to go nuclear. And she kind of pauses and she's like, go nuclear like Ted? And he's like, who the hell is Ted? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Speaking of Ted, (laughs) we see... Such
0: a great segue. (laughs)
1: Yeah. We see Ted, Matt, and HRG... Trying to get a car. And not buy one, but like, you know, you like one. So while uh, Ted is attempting to literally hotwire a car, Matt is going to the phone because <laughs> he wants to call his wife.
0: It's the only caps locking I do in my notes is yelling at him this episode. <laughs>
1: and HRG stops and he's like, you dumb bitch. Don't call your wife right now. <laughs> Don't you think I want to call my wife and son? We can't. We have things to do. We have We have to take care of the walker system. Which, we just <laughs> told you what the walker system was. It's their new system. Yeah. No isotopes, no satellites. It just finds you wherever you are. And we have to stop it. So, Ted gets the car running. And they all pile in and they're headed to New York. They're headed to stop the walker system.
0: Because
1: <laughs> like I said, which, a lot of pieces in this episode, they get put into place for the next couple episodes. So, that, this is one of them.
0: Definitely. Which, if I can butt in briefly... Mm-hmm. Isotopes and Satellites. Again, we have to take a trip to graphic novel land. Yes. And we find out what Wireless is doing, what Hana is doing in the graphic novels. She has like a five-part graphic novel mm-hmm. uh, story, which is taking place parallel to these actions right here. And she's stopping the other tracking system. It's a whole big thing. I recommend you read it if you can find it. It's, it's, it's a cool little way to have Hannah really involved in the events of season one towards the end. And then also spoiler alert, it's where you find out why we never see her again. Yep. But she doesn't die. Mm
1: -hmm. We'll we'll probably dig into that a little more when we talk about the comics or the ARG proper. Which Mm -hmm. we've got some episodes coming in between season one and two for you.
0: Yeah, we have a whole big ass list of things we want to talk about just even before we get into season two. Mm So look forward to that.
1: Yeah, July is probably going to be all us talking about, not season two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep, not yet.
1: Our summer of side episodes, so. Hey. Back to Claire and Peter, who are uh, telling Nathan that this guy named Ted blew is the one that blew up Claire's house. Like, Peter's like, hey, I might not be the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that says, Guess what,
0: everyone? <laughs> anything
1: that's like, hey, I'm not the bomb is, like, great news for Peter. Even though he's seen it, it's like, maybe it's not. And Peter also kind of lets slip that, like, Nathan can fly, which Claire didn't know. She's like, oh, you can fly? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, that's cool. And she says it really quietly, and it's just I love adorable. That.
0: <laughs> They're like, oh, that's cool. You can fly. Perfect reaction.
1: <laughs> and um, Peter's like, we have to go find Ted because, uh, you know, if we can find him, maybe we can stop it that way. Nathan's like, alright, you know what? I'll make a few calls, Peter. That's like Nathan's solution to everything. Shut up, I'll make a few calls. <laughs> and so that gets Peter out of the office, and Nathan takes a moment to like, you know you know what, Claire? I admire your bravery and everything you've been through. <laughs> like, getting your house blown up and everything. <laughs> and then, you know, they leave his office, and who does Nathan call immediately but Mr. Linderman? We have a problem. Because he's a bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, Claire and Peter decide to follow up a little later and go to Nathan's campaign headquarters to see if he's made any movement toward finding Ted. And as soon as they get there, Claire freaks out because who is in the office with Nathan but Thompson? And she's like, oh shit, that's the guy who I'm running from. That's why my father sacrificed himself, is this guy who I'm running from. And he's here in Nathan's office. What the fuck, Peter? What the fuck? And um, Peter's kind of like calming her down, like, it's probably not what we think it is. But meanwhile, like, Thompson is, like, you know, trying to talk Nathan down because he's pissy. He's like, I don't know what the hell Linderman even thinks. I'm going to lose right now. It's speculated that I'm going to lose. And you're keeping me in the dark on everything. Who the hell is Ted? And um, Thompson's like, Nathan, Nathan, you're just nervous. (laughs) You have to remember that you're making the sacrifice for the best of reasons. Cause you're going to unite the world. And um, Nathan, you know, he's not on board a little bit right now, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so Claire and Peter nope out of there before Thompson can see them there. And when they get back to the mansion, Peter opens up a drawer and pulls out a gun. Psst. I don't know where he got the gun. Do you know where he got the gun? Is that the um, from Isaac's apartment? Or didn't that still stay there?
0: No, that's not a company gun. That's just a, a gun that was straight up chilling in the sideboard. <laughs> under like a handkerchief yeah wh- where did that gun
1: come from uh <laughs> it's a neatly wrapped little gun hmm.
0: i just love that he knows it's there too yeah, he's like oh, let he's me grab this obviously not hidden well let me grab the petrelli gun
1: and uh he gives it to claire and he's like you know what claire this is how you're gonna save the world because if i start to lose it and blow up you're the only one that can be close enough to stop me and you know right how to do it you have to shoot me right in the back of the head in the sweet spot, right where the glass went. And um, he, again, he's like, we need you here. Because if it's not me who blows up, someone will. And Mm -hmm. he shows her his sketchbook. And inside the sketchbook, uh, he drew Ted. (laughs) And Claire immediately recognizes him. And she's like, that's Ted. So he's like, come on, Claire, you have to stay here. You know who it is. Let's see if we can find Ted. Because he not only drew Ted, he drew Ted with a very distinctive sculpture in the background. He drew Ted at Kirby Plaza. Yeah, he did. So... They're both heading off to Kirby Plaza. But in the meantime, let's go back to Nathan, who's having second thoughts. And who should show up at Nathan's office but his mother, Angela. As I was saying in the Siler portion, here's here's our parallel mother and son. <laughs> yep. And uh, she comes in. She's like, hmm, Linderman called me. Uh, he said you were getting cold feet. And he's like, oh, great. <laughs> he just thought she was there for a little pep talk about, you know, the election. No. And, um... She's like, you know, it's natural to feel ambivalent about these kind of things, and uh, she's like, it's not just Linderman's plan, Nathan. A lot of people have gone into this. And um,
0: <laughs> do you personally get all excited when she says that?
1: <laughs> a little bit, a little bit.
0: Calling your ass out. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's a story for another episode. Um, yes. <laughs> another time, another episode. Hashtag Company Girls. Mm. Anyway. Hey. So. The great thing is that, like, Nathan is like, I don't believe he knew that she was involved in the plan until now, that she was this deep into it. Because she's like, you don't know everything about me, Nathan. Which is like, I it, it feels like the reverse of, like, Siler and his mother. Siler's keeping secrets, Angela's Ugh. keeping secrets.
0: Yes, that's such a good parallel.
1: And, like, you know, you don't know everything that you think you know about me. And, uh... She says, however, Nathan, I know everything about you. And she really tries to talk him up into being like, you have to make the sacrifice for the greater good. Truman dropped bombs on Japan to end World War II. And you have to have faith, Nathan. Because your one weakness, Nathan, is you lack faith. (laughs) How can you believe that this bomb will heal the world if you don't have faith? And if you don't have faith in destiny, your destiny is this. Again, fate's intertwining.
0: (laughs) Oh, yes. This is your
1: fate. This is your destiny, Nathan. People will look back and thank you for your strength, conviction, and faith. In my day, it was called being presidential. Oh, boy. Can you believe, Nathan? Can you be the one that we need? And when she, he kind of like gets a look in his face like, all right, maybe I think I'm ready. And she's like, that's my boy.
0: Oh, boy. Oh,
1: I love Angela I know. (laughs) She is great. Oh, she's great. Especially coming up. She's a delight. We love Angela. Ugh.
0: She's just so good. Yeah.
1: So we'll leave them there for a moment. Or for now, for the episode, we don't see Nathan again. So mm-hmm. we see Claire sitting in Kirby Plaza and she's seeing all these families around her and she's getting really upset about it. <laughs> and um, Peter shows up like, I don't see Ted Ted here, so I don't know. And um, she's like, Peter, I'm not normal. I tried to pretend and that was what ruined everything. Is when I tried to pretend to be normal. And she hated the way she was. She hated being different. Until she met Peter. She didn't feel like she was a part of something until she met him. And Peter is like, the feeling is mutual. (laughs) It was the same way for both of them. They were, you know, they were each other's faith in that way. Yeah. And Claire looks over and who should she see? But her father with Matt and Ted. And she runs over to him and they hug it out. And it's like, oh, the reunion. He's okay. Father and daughter reunite. And Matt and Peter kind of look at each other skeptically. And Ted's all like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. (laughs) (laughs) And Ted walks close to Peter. And, oh, no, no, that's not good. Because Peter looks down and his hands are glowing. And Ted's all like, what is he doing? (laughs) Like, why is he uh, doing my thing? Excuse you.
0: (laughs) Um, Hi, hi. I'm the exploding man. uh, Yeah, he's got
1: to make that stop right now. So (laughs) Peter's thinking, "Uh uh-oh, time to blow. And that is how... (laughs) (laughs) Sorry? And that is how we end our episode to be continued. Peter might explode right now.
0: (laughs) And somewhere Claude is really disappointed in him (laughs) for not being able to control it.
1: (laughs) Damn it, Peter. (laughs) He was doing so well, too, for a while. Yep. Claude's there, invisible, arms crossed, shaking his head like, Peter. (laughs) If only. And flipping HRG off as well, like, fuck that guy. Yeah,
0: pew, pew, pew. Do you
1: have anything to add for this whole big Petrelli portion of the episode?
0: I I just, oh god, fucking Parkman all like, I need to call my wife because, (laughs) you know, my pain is more important than yours. And I'm like, you fucking dumb, you used to be a cop that is like the number one thing you don't do is use a phone even a pay phone to call someone when you're on the run
1: well to be fair he wasn't a detective yet he was a beat cop so
0: i don't care yeah. <laughs> oh man it's so, like that's great and then oh jesus yeah angela and her whole fucking minchurian candidate thing with nathan wow so good mm, delightful i love when she uh when she's doing the whole can you be the one we need and she and she goes over to the coat rack and she takes his suit jacket and she puts it on him as she's saying it it's like she's molding him it's oh it's so great yes um yeah and then uh siler you need to practice your drawing a little more because uh peter's ted is way better than yours
1: (laughs) (laughs) it is a good ted
0: it fucking looks like him! He really did,
1: like, the Peter drawing is really good, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Silas so is like, but to be fair, too, for Siler, Siler doesn't look like Siler and Silas, either.
0: Siler can't even draw himself. Peter's <laughs> you know? had
1: more practice. He's had this for a few months now.
0: That's fair. He's had a little more practice so. time. And the drawings do get better from, like, certain people. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Do you think he was doing <laughs> that with Claude, trying to channel Isaac, too, and, like, sketching? Practices drawing with Claude.
0: Oh, probably. <laughs> Especially because Claude would be like, Yeah, think about the guy who's with your girlfriend. Yeah, think about it. Now draw. <laughs> Let the pain guide you. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. <laughs> this was uh, a surprisingly in-depth episode. I was not expecting the hard part to be such a thing for us. Yeah, right? Yeah.
1: We took a lot of sidetracks as why. Because it had a lot of good well, we did. future stuff to we talk did. about
0: but that's the thing it's like we have a lot of feature stuff because we're so goddamn close to the end of season one yes. and i know you and i are just like champing at the bit right now to like get into the rest of it so
1: they're they're setting a lot up for season two
0: yes intentionally or not yes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah it's a, it's a good episode actually like yeah even though we didn't it's remember a solid of it. episode sure did not you yep. Shall we uh, talk about all of our social media stuff? Yeah. All right. So you can follow us on Twitter. We are at Eclipse Podcast over on there. Mm -hmm. If you want to follow our individual accounts, you can do so. Uh, Rachel is that Burb there. Burb with a B, like Bennett. And mine is at lady underscore snark, S-N-A-R-K. Yeah. And then if you want to email us, you can do so. And that is eclipsedpod at gmail.com let us know what you think about what we've been doing um <laughs> let us know if you have any theories about where the fuck siler is stashing his clothes <laughs> uh, you're overthinking
1: it, Casey. it you're overthinking it
0: i know it's fun now though um uh or if you'd like we also have a discord server that we've mentioned a couple times mm-hmm. Um, feel free to join us there. We will be providing the link in our episode notes. Obviously, as you've seen, if you share cool stuff, we'll we'll shout you out on the on the show. Yeah. So that's a that's a cool thing. And I just remembered, um, like, I can they, make they,
1: emotes for the Discord server, so expect a bunch of like heroes related emotes for.
0: <laughs> yes, I'm very excited to potentially join you in that endeavor. Um. So yeah. Uh. Thanks for joining us. We will see you next time. Uh, we're getting so close to the season one finale, so close. And as Rachel had mentioned during this episode, we're not immediately going into season two after the finale. We're going to be doing a lot of other fun, bonusy side things before that that deal with uh, the promotion of the show, the fandom surrounding the show, all that fun stuff. But, yeah, we're, we're getting there. I can't believe we're almost done with season one. I really can't. It felt like it just zoomed right by. But thanks for joining us. Uh, we will see you next time. Um, yeah, bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Next time on Eclipsed, it's election day, and Audrey returns. Linderman provides a very miraculous donation to Nathan Petrelli's life, Hero needs a new sword, and Siler enjoys ice cream in the wintertime. Tune in.